1: What a shot,
4: first OHL goal for Shane Wright. Right circle, shot, scores! Connor Medard has arrived here at the branch center, Is first in the
1: Western Hockey League. NCAA. Save, watch out, watch out! UMass are national champions!
3: The NHL Draft. I am Spash and Kosa. This is Dylan Gunther of the Noah Kings.
1: This
4: is William Mack from from in here. Hi, I'm Brent Clark.
2: Hi, this is Matt Coronado from the
1: Chicago Steel. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Moonset. Hey,
3: it's Paul of the 2-5 Stampede. This is Paul biond I play for Luleå. Hey, it's Corson Coleman from Brex Bandit. Hi, this is Chaz Lucius. This is Logan Stankoven. I play for the Camel
4: Blazers. It's Jesse Wolfis from Luleå Hockey. And more. Bring it! This is The Pipeline Show.
1: Vaccine mandates dominating the headlines right now for junior and college hockey. Also, the border closed on the American side. How's that going to affect things moving forward for the Canadian Hockey League? And a handful of interesting uh, player transactions to talk about as well. Lots to get to. This is the Pipeline Show. It's Season 17, Episode 3, if you would like to keep track of those types of things. My name is Keith Flaming. The program brought to you by Hawk Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky ever. In Alberta, you've got two locations you can get to if you're in the local area, either Spruce Grove or Leduc, but if you're in Western Canada and you can't make that trip, you can call them. Place your order online. Either way, they will get that order to you. Wilhawk takes orders of any size, and they'll ship it to you anywhere in Western Canada. Let's get right to the news and notes, as I want to get to the guests here, because i got a couple of longer conversations to, uh, to share with you. Let's start with the breaking news out of the Ontario Hockey League. As I'm speaking with you, it's uh, Friday afternoon, and uh, this just happening about uh, an hour and a half ago. The OHL has uh, added to their mandatory vaccination policy. It was for all the players and personnel around the OHL, uh, as well as uh, billet families. Uh, They've now extended that to uh, the buying public, people who are going to attend either games or practices are also going to need to be fully vaccinated. That just uh, coming down the pipe here in the last hour and a half, two hours. So the uh, that brings up the question of the week here on the Pipeline Show. I extended that to the WHL and the Q. And in fact, I, the way I worded it is just whatever junior league or college league that you like to attend games at, if they also followed suit and had a mandatory vaccination policy where. You're the, you want to go watch a game, you have to be uh, fully vaccinated and you have to be able to document that. Would you be more or less likely to buy tickets this season? Now, the poll's only been up for, well, it's been less than an hour. Uh, but uh, as last week's poll was, when I asked should the WHL follow the OHL and the and the Q in having a, uh, a fully vaccination policy for the players and staff and all of that, uh, that one was uh, lopsided. It was about 80% uh, in favor of it. Well, this poll, in the early, very early stages, 87.5% of uh, respondents have said they would be more likely to buy tickets this year, knowing that everybody else in the arena also fully vaccinated. You can take part in that poll on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy. And if you uh, take a second, let me know why you voted the way that you did. Nobody is uh, so far explaining themselves. They're just voting, which is fine, I guess. But I did have a, a why at the end of the question. Because I want to start a conversation. seems like more and more businesses, not just sports, but are starting to require full vaccination for people. And it, it seems to me that you know there, there is a, a percentage of the, uh, the population, I'm sure on both sides of our border here in North America, that there's a, a segment of the population that believes that in their personal freedoms would be violated by having a, a vaccination policy. I'm in the camp that believes this isn't a, a personal freedom conversation. It's about public health. You know, Personal freedom to me is you choosing whether you're going to be a smoker or not. Well, that's not something that uh, is the same as uh, as COVID-19. Uh, but that's my take. I want to hear from you, the listener. So at TPS underscore Guy, and you can find that Twitter poll happening. I put it up for a couple of days. Uh, more news and notes. The WHL has, uh, in fact, after I had that conversation with Ron Robinson in the middle of last week, uh, I believe it was this Monday, So about five days later, the WHL did confirm full vaccination policy for all uh, personnel around the WHL. Anybody who wants to, I think the way they phrased it was anyone that gets to within 12 feet of players uh, is going to have to be fully vaccinated. It did not specify billet families, though, although it said uh, that the WHL recommends that the teams find billet families for their players that are fully vaccinated. It wasn't mandated. We'll see now what happens uh, with uh, the fans, because it, the, the OHL is the first of the three CHL leagues. As far as I know, I don't think the Q has that rule yet either. But we'll see if the other two uh, follow suit here with the OHL. Cole Sillinger has been signed by the Columbus Blue Jackets. He played in uh, the USHL last year with the Sioux Falls Stampede, uh, but was with the Medicine Hat Tigers. The previous season is expected to be with Medicine Hat again this year. But I'm, I'm trying to figure out the small print on this. Because he was drafted outside of the Canadian Hockey League, I think technically Columbus could put him in the American Hockey League this year. I think it would be too early for him to do that, but might be something to consider next year, you know, in 2022-23. But at this point, I think he would be back in Medicine Hat. Uh, And maybe I have that uh, that rule uh, skewed a little bit, but something to consider moving forward. A fairly significant trade in the WHL earlier this week as the Lethbridge Hurricanes moved Zach Stringer, who was a former first-round pick for them, they moved him to the Regina Pats in exchange for a first-round pick. That pick will be in the 2021 draft, which happens here in December. And the reason I say that's significant, because to me, that means Lethbridge is probably looking at this season as maybe they're going to start selling pieces off. And uh, the, the roster pages aren't updated for 21 of the 22 WHL teams on the, the league's website, even though camp's open here in, in uh, less than two weeks. But the Hurricanes, I believe, when I look at the 2001-born players on the squad, at least who were on the team last year, Logan Barlogi, Justin Hall, and Alex Cotton, those would be three very valuable pieces. And maybe they decide not to trade them. But if they don't, I mean, those are those are good players. This could be a competitive team this year, but if so, why trade Zach Stringer? If he's worth a first-round pick, then is that a, a player that a team that is you know, looking to contend this year, or looking to make some noise this year, is that a player that you trade? He's still going to be in the league for a couple of years. He's a 2003-born player. So for me, it's either Lethbridge saying, this isn't our year, expect more of this from the Hurricanes, or... I, I guess another thought is, well, maybe Regina just offered more than, you know, made them an offer that they couldn't refuse. I suppose that's possible. Stringer was an eighth overall pick for the Hurricanes originally, and Lethbridge is getting the 10th overall pick in the 2021 draft. So it's about the same value. Now, from Regina's perspective, I get this completely. They're getting a forward that they hope can slide in and, and add some offense, and uh, they're, they're trying to build a team around Connor Bedard, which makes all the sense in the world. Stringer's going to be with the team for a couple more years. I'm sure that's all Bedard is going to be there for. He'll play this year. He'll play next year, which is his draft year, and then probably not back, right? So for the Pats, they've got to build a championship team now this year or next year while they have Bedard. And for me, that's that's a bit of a concern because, remember, they were at the Memorial Cup. They made a real strong run that year where they emptied the cupboards to try to build a, a championship caliber team and the next few years really poor that's why they were able to get Connor bedard in the draft they were at the bottom of the standings so i i'm really intrigued to see what uh, what john paddock how they go about trying to build this championship caliber team it's something one of my guests and i talk about uh, later on in this week's episode but maybe i'm crazy you tell me a couple of OHL signings of note, Sasha Pastajov, who was expected to go to Notre Dame, has actually signed with his uh, pro team and will play in the Ontario Hockey League this year with the Guelph Storm. They drafted him like 14th round, just take a flyer on a guy at the end of the draft like that, and lo and behold, it's worked out for them. He could be a real impact player in the Ontario Hockey League this year. And also the Barry Colts have signed their import player. That's Oscar Olsson, who was playing professionally last year in Sweden. And I know this has kind of surprised some people that uh, that he would actually leave and leave the pro ranks in Sweden to come over and play junior again. But uh, should be a guy who big contributor, big expectations. Put it that way for the Barry Colts and Oscar Ullasen. All right, that's it for the news and notes. Let's get to the guest list, and of course, all my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. Fresh new uh, beverages to uh, try. Of course, there are craft beverages worth sharing, but uh, they've got the. This black IPA, that white IPA, brand new summer wages pale ale, the rye rod rye IPA, and of course some of my favorites like the juicy gossip and the daycation and the golden gates and all of those, as well as the uh, the non-beers, the adequate vodka soda lemon lime, the troubled tea, the hard iced tea, and uh, some of the spirits as well. You can get all of that at troubledmonk.com/shop, and while you're there, place your order. If you live between Calgary and St. Albert, you can get same-day home delivery for free. When you use promo code PIPELINE, that's between Calgary and St. Albert, including Edmonton, Sherwood Park, Leduc, Lacombe, Panoka, Black Falls, home of the Bulldogs, starting this year in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. Out west a little bit to Sylvan Lake. Further down, you got Innisfail and Olds and Carstairs and all those towns. Airdrie, of course. Balzac. If you like Troubled Monk and you want to get it at home, PIPELINE is your promo code. All right, I have three guests for you coming up this week on the program. Two of them are going to be a longer conversations. First off, we're going to go out to New Brunswick. Adam Lund and Jeremy Boucher, they are the hosts of the Wildcast podcast. Uh, they are a couple of uh, Moncton Wildcat fanatics, but they do a great job covering that team and the league as well. They talk to uh, personnel around the league, uh, so I wanted to touch base with them. That's where we'll begin this week's show. Then we have a commissioner lined up, Mark Frankenfeld uh, from the North, the NAHL, the North American Hockey League. Chatted with him for well over half an hour, and I'll share that conversation with you. Lots uh, lots of ground that we covered there. And we will end it with a, uh, a former broadcaster in the Western Hockey League, now in the NHL. That's Cam Moon, of course, the uh, voice of the Red Rebels, now the voice, one of the voices of the Edmonton Oilers. We uh, talked about making that transition for him, but we also got into a bunch of uh, current WHL stuff as well. So lots to get to. First off, though, we're heading out to the East Coast, Adam Lund and Jeremy Boucher, the hosts of the Wildcast podcast. They're up first here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Now off the bench, because Pelche, he's going to burst to speed. Pelche, he's gone!
3: This is Jacob Lottie of the Moncton Wildcats and you're listening to Pipeline Choke.
5: There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker, and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline
3: Show with Guy Flaming.
5: Look, guys, we have to stay strong. If you don't stand with your fellow
2: Canadians, then you are a rat. Don't call me a rat, buddy. I'm not your buddy, friend. He's not your friend, guy. I'm not your guy, buddy. He's not your buddy, friend. I'm not your friend, guy.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Pipeline Show with Guy Fleming. We're going to begin this week's episode here in a second. But, of course, reminder, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky in all of Alberta. And we're going to do something a little different here. First time since we were on radio that I'm going to have two guests on at the same time. Through the miracle of uh, technology as i'm uh, pleased to head out to my home province of new brunswick we're going to speak with adam lund and jeremy boucher they are the hosts of the wildcast podcast it is a Moncton wildcats fan podcast gentlemen welcome to the pipeline show how are you guys doing
2: doing well yeah anytime you can send us some uh, some beef jerky uh, we will absolutely take that uh high in protein low in carbs <laughs> perfect for that keto diet yeah, i uh, yeah, no, we're doing good tonight.
0: Uh thanks for having us on. And you know, I, I don't even think I tried that uh, that beef jerky living in Alberta, but like like Jeremy said, we will take any beef jerky that we can get.
1: Yeah, Adam, you were telling me that you're originally from Alberta?
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, born and raised in Han, Alberta, and then I moved to uh Calgary.
1: And then down to Calgary. So are you still in Calgary and doing the show from there or are you on the east coast too?
0: No, I moved out uh, uh three and a half, four four years ago. Um Yeah. Girl, the girl that I'm with now, she, she lived out here in 2010 area, uh, frame. sorry. And, uh, she brought me out here for a holiday and I was like, I don't want to go to the East coast. Like if I'm going to spend the money to get on a plane, you know, I want to go to a resort. I want to, you know, change your money over, go somewhere in the States, whatever. And, uh, come out here for three days in Moncton, three days in Halifax and a day in, uh, Digby. And I was, I fell in love with it. I was ready to, uh, to move here and, um, December of that year, it, uh, it was time to, to pack up, and, and we moved out here February of 2018.
1: Hey, I don't blame you. That's uh, my home province is New Brunswick. Oh. Uh, born there, grew up in Alberta, but uh, still have lots of family back in New Brunswick, and it's, it's rare that I get a chance to go out. It's been a long time, but uh, really love it there uh, myself, so I don't blame you at all. All right. Well, guys, uh, the reason I wanted to get you on the show, we've got the uh, season right around the corner now for all three leagues in the CHL. I know training camps are underway uh, in the queue uh, and lots we'll talk about about the season. But maybe before we start, let's talk about the show uh, and uh, how it all came together for you guys.
0: Uh, we just uh, we started our fifth season two weeks ago. Uh, we, we we usually go from preseason to kind of take a break and then we we come back for the the Q draft. But uh, yeah, when I moved out here uh, from Alberta, I mean, I lived in Calgary where you had the Calgary Sun and obviously, you know, the Edmonton Sun. And you get uh, all the media coverage you need with uh, junior hockey or any sport. And I moved out here and kind of noticed there was one paper and it had a few articles every now and then. And I I always wanted to get into podcasting and and be in sports media and um, just kind of, I was like, you know what? I moved here. I've kind of out of my certain, you know, comfort zone. No one really knows me here. I'll, I'll give it a shot. And if people listen, great. If they don't, you know, I don't have people who know me going, why did you start that? So, uh, started it basically with an app on my phone and, uh, started it just before the playoffs. The first year I was here, Wildcats won round one. Uh, so they played three weeks or something and just kind of kept going through the summer for, uh, to get listenership up by myself and then uh you know one of the guys out here for Roger's TV Chris Dobson messaged me loved what I was doing listened to the show every time uh and he he wanted to be a part of it and he brought uh this fine gentleman that I got with me uh who's been a, a Wildcats fan from day 1 and and asked if if they could be on the show and I was like absolutely because if they start one basically if they start one by themselves without me my show is going to be in the crapper because they've got the the knowledge in, of the team. And so I uh, literally met these guys a week before the show started and, uh, you know, brought Jeremy on. And he's been here for five years ever since. Chris was here for the first two and then uh, life got in the way a little bit for him. But, you know, Jeremy's been here for five years and we've been cracking almost every week.
1: So is the show, the Wildcats podcast, is it officially uh, affiliated with the team, the Moncton Wildcats?
2: Uh, no, it's not. Uh, you know, that's obviously something that, uh, that we're, we're working on. That's, uh, that's the ultimate goal. Uh, you know, we, we, we like to take the, the steps necessary to, uh, to make it happen. Uh, but, um, you know, there's, uh, I think there's kind of a divide between, uh, what the team wants and, uh, you know, because I think the team just wants it to be, uh, um, fluff, I guess, if, uh, if that's an under understandable way of putting it, um, you know Adam and I are are very opinionated and uh, so you know when when you know a player isn't performing the way they should be or you know the team isn't performing the way they should be we feel you know we should be able to criticize them uh and i think uh, the team just doesn't uh want that sort of uh negative um i guess energy or or mood uh, amongst uh, in the media or, you know, going around the, the dressing room. So, uh, but we know that the players listen to the show. Uh, we have them on the show. We have the, you know, the director of hockey hobby operations on the show. We, you know, we, the we have the, of the, the, the commissioner of the, of the league on the show. We've had the you commissioner of the the league on the show. We've had the Wildcats head scout on the show. Uh, um, you know, I, I think it's just the uh, the front office of the organization that, uh, you know, just doesn't want to take that that step to uh, to recognize us. I feel
0: I was just going to say, like, I come out here from Alberta, so I was kind of the outsider in the first couple of years. And so it's it's been a bit of a grind uh, to kind of, I guess, be reputable um, and and do the thing, you know, I've never been in media. I don't really know how things work. So it, it's been taking some time. I know, like, my my first preseason interview, I did an interview with a player uh, after the game. And, you know, he said some some things that, you know, hockey players don't always say and I, I put that on on media and then had to take it down right like on our social media had to take it down right away and so it's 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 been a learning curve but i mean for the most part they're they're pretty good with uh with allowing player interviews and and stuff like that when when we want them and uh when when it's allowed uh we have had some players on uh over the years um so you know it's 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 a grind and it's a slow process but you know we just keep doing what we do every week and uh, eventually hopefully it happens.
1: Well, I know it's a, a Moncton focused uh, podcast, but do you have the chance you mentioned that Jill corto has been on? So you had the league commissioner. Do you also reach out to other teams and get, whether it's players or coaches or play by play guys or something, or do you spend most of the time uh, speaking uh, about the queue from very much a, a Moncton perspective? We
2: have a core. Yeah. It's, yeah we, we have a, a segment called, uh, you know, view from the other bench. So, um, you know we don't uh, we don't have the connections in in Quebec. Uh, you know I, my my French is is okay. Adams is non-existent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's so. Alberta
0: French. we you know in Alberta
2: all <laughs> letters yeah. in a name, right? So yes. uh, it's it's non-existent if we're being honest. Yeah, but we, I mean you know we've we've got contacts within you know all the teams in the uh, in the maritime division. Uh, some who are employed by the teams, uh, some who are just you know um our friends up in Bathurst they have a podcast so we have them on on our show all the time uh we've got uh, Jamie Tozer in, in St. John that you know runs uh Station Nation um you know an award-winning blog um so he's kind of our our Sea Dogs uh contact um you know Pat McNeil is the play-by-play voice for uh the Cape Breton Screaming Eagles we have him on the show all the time a guy you're
0: familiar with Mike Sanderson he's kind of a you know, he's been on the show a few times, whether it's been live here in the studio or, uh, via phone call. He's kind of, he's the voice of a lot of our, uh, our show drops there. So yeah, it's been, we can't like, you know, like I said, we, we have a core, um, a pretty good core in the maritime division. Uh, there was a Halifax podcast that, uh, that, uh, we was, you know, it's kind of slowly, you know, disbanded life gets in the way, obviously, but we had a pretty good rivalry with them. And, you know, I, I've, I've tweeted, uh, started the maritime uh, maritime podcast division uh, hashtag because when I first moved out here, we had Halifax, we had uh, Jake Murphy, hockey hat guy in in uh, Charlottetown, and I think it'd just be cool to have a podcast kind of in every maritime market that you know interacts with each other and and you know does special guests and and stuff, and and that's kind of what I've tried to keep going, and so it's uh it's it's been fun.
1: Adam Lund and Jeremy Boucher, the two hosts from the Wildcast podcast, my guest here on the Pipeline show as we uh, look ahead to the coming season in the queue. All right, let's start with the team. And uh, you're right in Moncton. Obviously, that's the team you cover. What are your expectations for the Wildcats this year? Adam, why don't you start?
0: Uh, all the way. Uh, undefeated. Uh, there's zero expectations of losses with this team. Uh, of course, that's the fluff that we, we want to you know, know obviously. It's, it's year two of a rebuild. Um, you know, you're, you're familiar with the junior hockey cycle. Uh, this team was poised to, to at least get to the Memorial cup, if not win the Memorial cup two years ago, uh, before our lives were flipped upside down. And, um, unfortunately we didn't get the, uh, the payoff after the Christmas trade deadline that a lot of teams, uh, kind of go through. But, you know, last year with a shortened season, uh, every team made the playoffs and, um, We we were very young. Uh, We made some deals with some some veteran players to to collect assets, and not a lot was expected of the of the team from the outside. And you know, night after night, when this team when this was this team was allowed to play, and we only played the Maritime Division. Um, and then eventually, as things got worse for you know during the COVID time, we only ended up playing Bathurst and Saint John over and over again, uh, Charlottetown, Halifax, and Cape Breton played each other over and over again. Um, you know, this team just kind of, they weren't an easy out like everyone thought they were. Um, and then, you know, with every team making the playoffs, uh, this team was uh, post away from forcing a win and into round two scenario uh, in a very tough three division, I guess for lack of a better term, three way division with uh, a better Bathurst team and a, and a St. John team that looks to Try and host the Memorial Cup this year, so it's year two. Um, and usually in year two of a rebuild, and uh, you know, Jeremy's been here for a few more rebuilds. You're not expecting a whole lot. There's still a lot of roster spots up for grabs for opening night, and you know, we've gone over this team last year and into this year. There's maybe of the 23, there's maybe four or five that uh, that are there. And, and you know, when we talked to the uh, director of hockey operations, Rich Tebow young guys are going to push veterans. And so that's exactly what you want coming into a second year. So, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting playing all the teams this year, uh, what this team will do, but you know, we're expecting, you know, playoffs are, are expected for this group. Uh, for me, I don't know about you, Jeremy.
2: Uh, I think it's, uh, I think playoffs are real realistic. I mean, it's, uh, we're back to, uh, kind of a normal year where, you know, I think it's the only the last, uh, only the bottom two teams uh, missed the playoffs. And um, I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, with the way that uh, Valdor went all in last year and in uh, the players that, uh, that they're going to lose this year, uh, I think you'll, I think they're probably a candidate for uh, one of the bottom two spots. And then uh, I, I, I think, you know, if, if there's uh if Moncton somehow misses the playoffs, there's uh you know, something seriously, uh, something seriously wrong. And, uh, but I know I, I see this team, and you know, being kind of in that, uh, you know, what is there sixteen, eighteen mm-hmm. teams in the league? Sixteen, top sixteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 so I, I figure we'll be. I'm hoping in that uh, that nine to uh, that nine to twelve range, in, uh, based on overall standings.
1: Now we know the Memorial Cup will be hosted by a team in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League this year. And the last I heard, it was down to either the Saint John Sea Dogs or the Quebec Rempar. Uh Jeremy, why don't we start with you? Um, is there a clear-cut choice? Is there a front-runner in your opinion uh, to be the host this year? Uh,
2: you ask my heart who I want to uh, to get it. My heart, uh, my heart wants Quebec to get it, um, but my my gut tells me Saint John will get it. Uh, so it's um, I would necessarily say there's a, a front-runner. Uh, I think on paper Quebec probably has the better team. Uh, they've got the better arena. Uh, they've got the better, I guess, downtown core. You know, if you want to put on a fan fest, uh, you know, I'd rather go to a fan fest in, uh, in old Quebec. In, in old Quebec compared to you know uptown Saint John's. So, um, you know, I, I'd love to see uh, Quebec get it. Uh, I also something tells me Saint John's going to get it because you know they've never had a, had a Memorial Cup uh, hosted by the Sea Dogs, and you know they've there's been several years where they've been in the running. Uh, so I think the league kind of owes it. Uh owes a Memorial Cup to St. John, uh, but if you want to look at you know paper uh, best team on paper, uh, I think you got to give the edge to Quebec.
1: Adam, what about for you? If it's between Quebec City and St. John, uh, I I've been to St. John. I really like St. John as a city. It's I mean it's not the biggest city in the world, but it's uh, got a lot of history. There's lots to see and do. Uh, I like St. John. I, it has a soft spot uh, for me. But uh, I understand the attraction of uh, Quebec City as well, and it's uh, hard to disagree with that there's uh, you know some pretty nice settings there and uh, the size of that building. But Adam, wh- what's your take on who should host this year?
0: Yeah, yeah, we've uh, I we we talked about this last week actually, who we kind of thought, and you know, I think Quebec just it fits more, and and I've you know I've said a few times uh, on whether it's on the show or around the world juniors everything just kind of seems corporate now and you want the bigger arenas, especially the world juniors. They're going to NHL size rinks. Um, You know, every, everybody had a tough year last year. So um, if you want to bounce back, I mean, Quebec's just got an NHL size rink. They've got a lot down, down by that rink for fan fests and, um, you know, old town Quebec, like you said, nothing against St. John. And, you know, they, when they went uh, when they started the rebuild, everything was built to, to host this, uh, this Memorial cup. So, I mean they've they've put in a good effort to uh, to get a good team on the ice. Uh, you know they just acquired Jonathan Lemieux from Valdor, who was their starting goaltender all the way to the finals. So um, yeah, like I, we talked about it last week, we don't want St. John there because that gives them a one in four chance of winning a second Memorial Cup. Um, but it, I just I just feel like I think I think it'll be going to Quebec. I think my gut my gut says Quebec just because. You know everything bouncing back from COVID is about uh, you know financial gain, and when your league gets hit hard and you can't have fans in any of your Quebec markets, you know you want to try and come back to have you know full rinks, and it's a little easier to sell the you know lower lower price tickets up in the higher bowl uh, in a in a fourteen thousand I think it or something like that in in Quebec as opposed to sixty six hundred in Saint John. So, I mean, for drivability, if we get to go to absolutely, we want Saint John. But uh, for 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 league and, and what I think will happen, I think I think you're looking at Quebec.
1: Well, I see, I was thinking about that too. It should be a lot shorter drive for you guys, wouldn't it? What is it about hour, hour and a half uh, between uh, Saint John and Moncton? Depends how fast.
0: Jeremy's driving. Like twenty minutes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, yeah, about an hour or so, depending on where you're going. Yeah, an hour, an hour and a half. Uh, I mean, straight right straight into downtown Saint John. You're looking at an hour and a half.
1: Well, the big news out here with the Western Hockey League just this week as the league has announced that uh, with a a vaccination mandate for all the players and coaches and all the staff and everybody who works in and around the league, officials uh, as well, I'm guessing media as well, anybody who has contact with the players, and that follows suit with what the OHL and the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League had already announced. But I'm wondering uh, from the fan perspective uh, how that's been received in uh, and around the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. You're in... In uh, New Brunswick, might be different than what it is in Quebec and and the other uh, maritime provinces. But uh, what's been the reaction there? And and does it extend to the fans? Uh, will they have to be vaccinated to be able to buy tickets to go to the games? Where where do things sit right now?
2: Uh, so right now, I mean, here in New Brunswick, um, you know, there's there's nothing stopping anyone from uh, from going to a game, uh, whether whether you're vaccinated or not. Uh, I think it's uh, the the whole league rule was uh you know obviously players uh had to be fully vaccinated team staff had to be fully vaccinated billets uh billets had to be fully vaccinated anyone who was in you know contact with a player um and the players themselves uh have to be fully vaccinated um you know if you're not you're not playing uh fans i mean here in new brunswick um we're in what we call a green uh green level so you know everything's everything's wide open you know we're Um, our mask mandate has been lifted. Um, you know, there's no more, you know, that's no more distancing between the treadmills at the gym, nothing like that. So, uh, I don't expect, I don't expect there to be a fan, uh, you know, a mandatory vaccination for fans. Uh, I know in Nova Scotia, they're talking about, uh, what they're calling a Scotia pass, which is kind of like a a vaccine passport. So I don't know if that's going to apply to, um, to hockey games. um, and in Quebec, um, they're introducing a vaccine passport as of September 1st. So um, you will need to show proof of vaccination to to go to a hockey game or to go to a concert or, you know, to go to a bar or go to a restaurant. So um, for here, I guess for here in New Brunswick, it's it's not really affecting us. Uh, in Quebec, different story. Nova, Nova Scotia uh, might be a different story. Uh, and PEI, I don't think we've heard anything on PEI, but I don't see, you know, PEI having any uh, anything like that. Uh, I mean, you know they've they've had they've had COVID, but it's you know, they've they've really contained it um, good, good on them. and i I just don't see cs uh, here in New Brunswick having any you know i, I don't see us having to show any sort of proof to go to a game it's only really players and 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 team staff
1: all right well guys before i let you go are there some individual players or teams in particular outside of probably the 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 two teams uh, vying to be hosts uh, for the memorial cup being quebec and saint john but are there some stories that you're looking for this year Uh, players individual players that you expect to have big seasons from or maybe a dark horse team or something like that what immediately comes to mind for you guys
2: um stories uh I think you got to start with. Uh, I mean, obviously, the 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 memorial Cup posts will be determined. I think next month or, or early October. Um, so, September fifth, I think. Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah,
1: it's got to be pretty early,
2: I would he, think. He yeah, think right. Uh, but yeah, like Ramoski, uh blockbuster trade. Uh, they traded Zach Balduke to, to Quebec, so you know I expect him to be, uh, you know, one of the one of the top players in 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 the league this year. Uh, on the defensive side, uh, I think Evan Noss again of Quebec will uh, will have a big year. Uh, but don't don't count out of Gatineau. I mean, they've got uh, you know they're going to have Tristan Luneau, who's going to be probably a top uh, a top uh, NHL draft pick uh, next June as a, as a defenseman. Uh, and Antonin Veto who's going to put up massive points for Gatineau as well. Uh, you know, I'm expecting. Um, and just if those are just a few names I think that are, are going to have big years. Uh, but locally here, uh, I think it's going to be uh, scoring by committee. Uh, you know, I think we're going to have we're going to get some scoring from uh, from all four lines. And uh, if we're going to win games, that's going to have to be how it's done, uh, because it's uh, you know we don't have that that big name on the roster. Uh, so it's um, you know we're going to need contributions from uh, from everyone out there.
0: Yeah, for me, um, you know, it's it's kind of in the Maritime Division. I mean, if St. John is able to get a Memorial Cup, how are they going to load up? Uh, Charlottetown made a big deal to get. You know, Charlottetown's always been good, especially in goal. Uh, you know, they had Matt Welsh for five years and they had Colton Ellis last year. and they But they never had that top superstar. Uh, and they went out and got Xavier Seminole this year from Drummondville. Um, so, you know, they kind of they kind of pushed in the chips a little bit last year, but we're able to, you know, going out and getting a top superstar. I know Acadie Bathurst went and got Hendricks Lapierre. Um, so they've got a superstar. So, um, you know, as, as for Quebec, yeah, it's kind of, you know, I'm kind of excited to see what, uh, what Gatineau does. Um, and, you know, staying here, this division last year, we had three teams that were the, the top echelon, you know, Charlottetown, St. John and, and in Bathurst and, you know, in talking to Jeremy, like his history of this team, Halifax and Moncton have not always had the best uh, rivalries on the same same cycle. And this year, I mean, like last year, we didn't play them. We played them once, I think, in Halifax. Yeah, we played them once in Halifax. Hmm. Um, they never came here, but they have two of you know the players that we had in in our our top team that was going to take the run in in Zach Larue and Elliot Denoyer. And, you know, our two teams kind of mirror each other and it'll be interesting to see, uh, the rivalry as as these teams kind of mirror each other in, in, in depth and, and in this cycle. So, and yeah, just like Jeremy said, it, it, we, we get to use the cliche, all four lines, bang in, pucks in deep, grinding, playing hard. It'll be a, it'll be a fun year to be around the rink for fans, uh, that, that will a lot like a lot of these guys and, and, you know, enjoy, enjoy just going to the rink and, and seeing these guys compete hard every night, we don't, we don't, we're not expecting you know top end year, but we're expecting these guys put their hard hat on and go to work, and that's that's all we can ask.
1: Guys, I kept you longer than I uh, promised that I would, so just tell uh, the listeners where they can get their copy or their episodes of the Wildcast podcast.
0: Ah, uh, you can find us on uh, anywhere you find po- podcasts: uh, Spotify, uh, Apple iTunes, or Apple i uh, Apple iTunes. I don't even know what it's called. I just know it's there. Um, and then on, you know, on Twitter, uh, wildcast podcast, uh, Instagram, we're now on TikTok. We're on YouTube. Sometimes we have technical camera issues. Um, so it's not always there, but, uh, yeah, yeah we drop every Wednesday, wildcast Wednesday, and, uh, you know, you can find us pretty much anywhere you find podcasts or, or anything like that. And, or at the rink and just, uh, again, thanks for having us on. Um, we really appreciate, uh, you, uh, reaching out and, and having us on and, just allowing us to to voice uh give our voice a little bit of a show
1: hey no problem whatsoever if you guys are on tiktok does that mean that one of you guys has choreographed a, like a dance or something you you've got your own custom dance isn't that what tiktok's for
0: honestly i'm waiting for jeremy to design a dance but uh no we're we're we haven't designed a dance yet we've i think i've had 14 or 15 tiktoks it's just it's something that i was like I, you scroll on it you're looking the next thing you know you're making videos and we had one video that's at fourteen thousand uh views right now so um it's uh we'll see what we do during the season but it's just another avenue to you know that's where the fans are right so you just try to stay where they are
1: awesome stuff guys i, I really appreciate your time like this uh, enjoy the season i hope that uh, we get a chance to chat again perfect thanks for having us thank, thank you, you. Hey, there's Adam Lund and Jeremy Boucher, both from the Wildcast podcast. It's taken me a few tries to roll that off my tongue. I always want to say Wildcats podcast, but it's the Wildcast podcast focusing on the Moncton Wildcats. Terrific job, fellas. Makes me uh, want to reach out and maybe talk to some other uh, junior or college hockey podcast uh, hosts as well. I know there are a few out there. If there's one or two or you have a few that you think uh, I should uh, get in contact with, why don't you let me know? at TPS underscore Guy is me on Twitter. Alright, up next, the commissioner of the North American Hockey League. His name is Mark Frankenfeld. Settle in. It's a longer conversation, but it's a really good one. He's next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Will Beef Jerky.
3: Hi, it's Colton Point of the Carlton Place Canadians. Hey, it's Matthew Barnaby of the Pembroke Lumber Kings. Hello, it's Matthew Season here from the Sandback Pistons. Hey, it's Nick Campoli from the North York Rangers. Giant Iconic here. I'm Dante Fabro of the Penticton Bees.
1: Hi, this is Dennis Chalosky playing for the Chilliwack Chiefs. Hey, it's Kale hey. McCarr of the Brooks Bandits. I'm Jacob Bernard Docker of the Oak Stokes Oilers. Nicholas Jones of the Sherry Park Crusaders.
3: This is Cody Koenig, formerly played for the Sherry Park Crusaders. Kevin John former Spruce Grove Saints.
2: I'm Brandon Hickey, former member of the Spruce Grove
3: Saints. This
2: is David Glenn of the Spruce Grove Saints. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Spruce Grove Saints, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
3: Spruce Grove Saints AJHL Hockey is back for the 2020-2021 season. Due to the ongoing pandemic,
4: the attendance is limited at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. You can follow along across social media at Saints and support the Saints by heading to
3: sprucegrovesaints.ca and purchasing your Cash's King tickets today. Over $33,000 in prizes to be given away. Again, head to Saints.ca for more information. The Spruce Grove Saints, proud supporters of The Pipeline Show. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Uh, Fights like an old lady.
1: Hey, we're back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and we will continue this week uh, get to know another of the uh, league commissioners. We like to do this in the offseason as the, uh, the new year uh, approaches and uh, Mark Frankenfeld from the North American Hockey League has been on the program before but uh, Mark it's been a couple of years because last year was such a up and down season we didn't know what the heck was going on uh, wasn't able to get you in last year but uh, I appreciate you making the time again how are things
4: Everything's great. I just w- would object to what you said about the off season. I haven't found that yet, um, <laughs> even in the last 18 months. But I, I appreciate that, and thanks for having me on for sure.
1: Uh, no problem whatsoever. I, I hear that a lot. That for the commissioners and for the league, that the off season, what we think of as the off season, is actually really busy time for you. And then once the season gets going, it kind of takes care of itself. Is that is there some truth to that?
4: There's some truth to that because everything that we do from the events and and all three leagues all has to happen and be planned. You know six you know four to six months ahead you know and once we can get all that in place for the year then it's a little bit more plug and play and then obviously reacting and then solving and resolving you know whatever comes across our desk
1: all right well as we're speaking now it's uh getting into the well just past the midway point of august i know i think the first big thing on your schedule would be the 2021 showcase in september you got camps opening up before that though too i'm guessing
4: yeah, teams would have camps, uh, you know, teams would have been through their final tryouts and coming into main camps um, or their, um, their training camps here. And the rival for those are, you know, anywhere probably from this weekend, uh, over the next two weekends is when players will start to report. So teams are definitely, um, you know, getting ramped up with players coming to town and, and coaches no longer, you know, not having, you know, 20 some young men to be responsible for 24-7. So that, that it's that time of year for sure.
1: I know in a world of COVID, everything's kind of with an asterisk, but as we're speaking right now, is everything kind of back to normal for the way you're going to be operating this year?
4: Yeah. So, um, you know, we are excited to get back to normal like everybody. And we are very hopeful. You mentioned the the NHL showcase with all 29 teams in the national program and another 130 youth teams that are going to descend on Minnesota here in a little bit. And uh, we are we are working towards – you know managing you know whatever variant comes along you know through the local and state and federal guidance and and but our our goal and our hope is that we can be as normal as normal as possible um you know fortunately we haven't had a lot of major impacts impacted players and we've done a really good job of of, of maneuvering through some of this stuff and and keeping the game on the ice and keeping our players safe so it's it's um You know, we don't, don't want to repeat a lot of the stuff we had to do last year, but we're, but we're going to repeat what's necessary in order to get on the ice and, and, and have a safe playing environment. And, um, again, hopefully uh, be able to have and attract fans and scouts and, and all the works that come with it. And so we're, 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 we're looking to get back to normal, but we're also, you know, monitoring and trying to manage whatever we need to in order to make sure that can happen as safely as possible.
1: Yeah, I imagine there were lots of things, uh, lessons learned and and things maybe you can uh, take from last year or the last 20 months, I guess, and and put into place uh, for this coming season. But when I look at the footprint for the North American Hockey League, you you got the the, the southern states and uh, pocket up in the northeastern United States and right in the middle and in the north central and then the the three teams up in Alaska. So you're kind of spread out. Uh, I wonder how uh, differently the regions were affected last year yeah. and, and how much it was different from, you know, from the teams in Alaska compared to the teams down in the southern states.
4: Well, I mean, that's a really, um, really good point. You know, we operate in 17 states, and so that means there could be 17 different types of regulations and, and views on how to manage things. Right. And um, you get in the North Dakotas or the Southern Texases, you know, they didn't have as much, um, Of the shutdowns and lockdowns and such as some of the you know the the the, the you know the, the out in the east and and Minnesota shut down for five weeks and you know so there was a lot that we had to manage through and you know I tell you the, the thing that I was I, I was the most proud of is I I know how great our ownership group is and um you know with the with the with the with the teams we have and and what we've developed developed but you know our, with our with our twenty three teams that were able to stay on the ice. You know, playing without fans, <laughs> you know, yeah. and and delivering the NHL product for these young guys, it I was just it was just amazing to watch. And there was not a time, there was not a time in all those discussions uh, that said we're going to shut down, we're not going to we're not going to move forward. We did have some teams shut down for, um, you know, we had a New York team that had a lot of restrictions to deal with, and it didn't make any sense for them or anybody around them. We had an Illinois team, uh, didn't make sense for them or anyone around them. We, um, you know, uh, Corpus had shut down with with um, with with the, with the locality there being a little more strict, and then some some building issues that we weren't sure that was going to be good for them or anybody else in their division, and so they made some some tough decisions to to take the year off and and um and say and same with Kansas and 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 ultimately they're all back uh, one way or another, so we're happy about that, but I'll tell you it was. Um, it was challenging. We had, we had owners that, uh, didn't play a home game until the last month of the season. Wow. Um, we had owners that, 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 uh, took their teams up to, um, you know, base camps up in the Dakotas, um, and played games up there instead of in the area where they, you know, they couldn't play, you know, locally. And, you know, it wasn't done in, wasn't done in revolution, you know, to the local, you know, um, governance. It was done in evolution to how to manage, the ability to keep these young guys on the ice training and developing, keep their sanity and, and keep the league intact and, and moving forward. And, and, you know, the risk they took, you know, outside of all the finances that uh, they normally count on with ticket revenue and corporate and all the other challenges and costs they incurred to do all that really paid off for them and, and what their mission is to, you know, to to, to make the players first and create that opportunity from to play and develop. So I think things we learned was a lot of patience um, I learned how I learned how solid our ownership group is from top to bottom, and how um, they were just tenacious about finding a way. You know, you, I I always call them philanthropic entrepreneurs, which which means they end up writing a check from time to time, but right. they're also smart business folks. And and these guys these guys in Galvan, you know, they they were finding a way. It was about finding a way to keep the game on the ice, and they were doing it all while taking huge financial risk. And so, you know, it wasn't revenue driven, you know, any of that type of stuff. It was all about, you know, the same old deal, giving back to the sport through the players, giving back to the players through the sport and the community, which is what, which is what we're about. So it was a very proud moment, but we learned a lot of patience. We learned how to adjust on the fly. We learned how to, you know, we created a wonderful return to play protocol and launched that back about this time last year. And we used that as a baseline. And then individual cities and states and areas had to kind of, you know um uh, you know be able to be agile and be mobile and, and and navigate through what the localities needed versus what the league had recommended as a baseline and everybody worked together as unbelievable partners and we you know we got it done i'll tell you we thought um we thought extending the season was you know six weeks was a good idea at the time you know six months later you know when we're still going uh <laughs> it, was, it got to be a little bit of a long season but you know, we. We finished our Robertson Cup in Foley Arena, which is in Blaine, Minnesota, in the, on June 18th that weekend, and we also brought our top prospect tournament in. That tournament's usually held in February, but because scouts, Division One guys were shut down, we waited until uh, the Robertson Cup. So we brought in the Robertson Cup and our top prospect tournament, which means we had our top four divisional teams and the remaining 88 players that are uncommitted um, in the league in that event, and it was... It, after everything we went through, after all the reschedules, after all the phone calls, after dealing with all the different um, attorney generals and governing and task force and teams, getting back on the ice in front of fans with the scouts there, the NHL guys, the D1 guys, the D3 guys, watching these guys play at the level they played, it was it was it made it all worth it. Everything that that, that we had, I know from an office standpoint, from our owners went through when they could get back to meet in June face-to-face and then have that Robertson cup take place and we could crown a a champion. It made it all worth it. And uh, again, it was, it was a wonderful, wonderful end of the year event. Um, But I'd say if, you know, in learning, we learned how to have patience. I learned how um, our owners are tenacious and they want to persevere and they really want to do it. What's best for the players and the community and the sport. And uh, the team between this staff, my staff, who did an unbelievable job, the teams, the team staff, and you know I gotta give it to the players. I mean, there's a lot of adversity for those guys this year where they spend their whole life training to get that opportunity to be seen and now their season could be ended. That's a lot of anxiety in a young guy whose window's closing. And for so sure. I give a lot of give a lot of credit to everybody who's involved. It, it it um you know, we're not it's we're not over it yet. We know there's a lot going on. Um, we're aware that it, all those issues are unresolved with COVID and such, but we are we are very thankful. We did what we did last year. We think the results were fantastic, and um, we are much better prepared um, to manage, you know, going into the next year at least as we see it, you know, at the moment, right?
1: Mark Frankenfeld is the commissioner from the North American Hockey League. My guest here. I'm glad you mentioned the ownership. Because uh, nobody gets into this business looking to lose money, and yet they put that aside kind of for the season and and uh, help the players uh, uh, further on their uh, their commitment and their development and uh, try to help them achieve their goal. Big tip of the hat to the all, all the owners from all the leagues that had to go through something all similar leagues, for yeah, sure. All the
4: leagues, yeah. All the leagues for sure yeah I, I don't i don't I just know what we went through and how great our guys and gals are. I know there are other owners out there that did the same thing, and yep. you know that it, it's it's a tremendous it's a tremendous thing that to 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 to, to, to sustain hockey last year when it was almost unsustainable, depending on where you were, for sure.
1: Now, uh, you mentioned the uh, college commitments. I believe the website showing just short of uh, 400 uh, NCAA commitments. <laughs> yeah. I know most of that's Division One, but there's some Division Three in there. I think I even was scrolling through some of the teams. There's some Canadian universities involved uh, as well, sprinkled in here and there. But, I mean, that's tremendous. I, I would have to think... I mean, you have 29 teams, so some of that is because of that. But compared to the USHL, you're putting more players into college hockey than than even the USHL is, which is, you know, arguably a higher profile league. But uh, you, you guys are doing a fantastic job when it comes to getting players to the college level.
4: No, I appreciate that. And you know, there's a couple things there. And you know, we're not at 29 teams until this year, so you know, we're we're at 23 teams last year, so we were down a little bit. That's still that's still a little more than than you know some of the other leagues out there like the USHL. I, I think I think what's important, um, you know, I was having this conversation with the potential um, owner, uh, future applicant owner the other day, and we are talking about, you know, the NA3HL develops to the NAHL, develops to the NAHL, and then develops to Division One or whatever. And I said, you know, that sounds great, but the reality is, is every one of our products, from our youth to our Tier 3 to the NA, is about developing as a hockey player and a young man and playing college hockey. And it's almost like a coach goes, we're going to work on all these things, but we're not going to focus on winning. If you focus on winning, you may not develop where you need to develop, right? So uh-huh. so our, our model to that is we're going to focus on giving these kids a great experience, a great opportunity to develop, making them great hockey players, great people in the community, so that whatever they do, they can go on and be great in life and relationship and business and family, all that stuff. And the byproduct of that whole model and we want them to go to college the byproduct is a byproduct as we 've seen the numbers of Division one and nCAA just just increased just unbelievably and and it's interesting because you know we we do actually beat any other league period period, and a player starting without a commitment and earning one in the north American hockey League there's nobody that comes close, but what what we do what we do also do is track commitment from year to year like so for example from september one last year of actual commitments um you know we're, we're we're beating every league out there and that's just direct commitments not including the alumni that have played you know in our league so you know we're 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 two and a half times we're third third 30 percent higher than the ushl we're 65 percent higher than the bchl and that's not again including guys that played in our league the year before even though they probably already earn that commitment the year, overall, right, right. but we track them when they, they earn it. So we track, we track commitments based on September one throughout the year. And then we also track what we, you know, real simple college freshmen who actually makes these commitments then. So, so this commitment thing, I just talked about looking forward. And then we also track looking backward, who played as a college freshman. And, you know, right now we've got about 34% of all college freshmen that played in junior hockey in the North American hockey league, either the year before or, the year prior to that and typically if they played the year prior to that they went to the ushl mm-hmm. and then to division one college so we have a uh, we have a difficult role we have this dual advancement model because we're in the, the states called the tier two guys right? right so we've got right. this we've got this model to advance players to the ncaa division one which we can do without we can do that very well without any other league we don't need we, we don't need to advance them to the USHL, the national pro, And that's no, that's not, that's nothing against them. They they have wonderful leagues and programs, but we could get those players there anyway. However, with our partnership in USA hockey, you know, fostered by the NHL, USA hockey, the USHL, we want players. And this is, I guess this is the long round to get to the point I was trying to make. We want players playing in the best place for their development. So there might be some players in the NHL that are at a spot where they might be a little bit younger. They might be on a track for a draft or, they might fit a, 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 in a better spot in the, in the USHL and they can play in that situation and go, and we're fine with that. But if there might be players in the USHL that fit better playing in different situations in the North American Hockey League, and if they can play in more situations and develop better, that's what the two leagues kind of have in common is we want players playing in the best place for them to develop. And what's that ultimately done? And again, that strengthened our partnership with the USHL and USA hockey, that strengthen our numbers not only ncaa commitments but division one commitments which has attracted the interest of of the legitimacy of the north american hockey league that hockey property across the country including you know from the nhl being able to look in at the u.s and see that it's it's the ushl and it's the nhl um that are developing these players at a high level that are going to go to the ncaa or they're going to get drafted and they're going to play hockey you know hopefully at a high level for a long period of time and so that whole concept of Again, let's work on development. Let's work on doing all the little things right. And the byproducts going to be placement. Um, that also has to do with players playing in the best place that fits their development. That partnership amongst that group, the USHL, USA hockey, the NHL has really been really good for us to try to manage the, you know, a difficult thing when every coach in the world thinks they own every player and they never want to give anybody up, mm. right? It's really helped, it's really helped kind of bridge some of those gaps and get players playing where they, where they need to play.
1: Mark, I know uh, last year, well, all through the the COVID stuff, uh, you know, let's say the last 18 months or so, a lot of companies uh, had to were kind of uh, out of necessity, forced to change the way they they did things. People were working more from home. And now moving forward, some of those companies are saying, you know, that actually kind of worked out pretty well. Why don't we have our employees work a little bit more from home? And I'm wondering if uh, for you, did you do anything last year out of necessity that, kind of work better moving forward and you you might just keep it in place?
4: Well, I, I, that's, that's, those are really good questions. I think there were some things that really forced us to do a lot of things differently. You know, there are some things that I could think of real quick that we're going to keep in place regardless. Um, and it really, it, it comes down to like um, simple stuff like, you know, everybody signed a COVID-19 waiver last year, right? But it, what it did is it created everybody to register you know, directly through a centralized platform. And, you know, we have access to every player's dad in our league, but we didn't, we don't really necessarily have it right at our fingertips and we're able to utilize it for more communication. And in the future, we may keep that process, but not, not because we need a waiver every year, um, but maybe just so we can have better communication with our players and parents and stuff like that um, as a whole about what the league is doing as a whole, not just what a team's doing. But so, so th- that would be something that, you know, that may or may not be something directly to answer your question, but I will tell you what we did learn is that we were able to get through, um, our meetings, um, on the telephone. Right. And, um, you know, our bigger meetings with the executive committee and stuff like that. We did do some zoom stuff. We didn't go crazy with the zoom stuff. I know people became professional zoomers. Um, but I'll tell you, we were able to navigate, uh, through a lot of challenges with just, you know, communication without meeting face to face. And so, some of that stuff, you know, we'll probably look at, but but I think I think we'll go back to, I think we'll go back to um, the old way of meeting face to face. I think that's what's important about uh, hockey and and knowing people and relationships. You know, I think you know relationships and and knowing people are more important than you know how smart a lot of people think they are in this world. I think you know knowing people and. Having face to face and being able to settle differences and understand each other, you know, I think face to face is the key and I think we'll get, we'll get back to that. So I, but I, I we did learn that if we had to manage it via the phone or Zoom, we could do that. And, I, and I'll tell you the other thing that we're exploring that I think we learned. Um, that we might continue to do is we might continue to try to set up and, and develop a more of a virtual scouting kind of a concept for the younger guys. Um, these younger guys go from combine to camp to combine and camp and spend all kinds of money and we might be able to create something. Um, all of our products that we do at the youth and, and combines or anything we do is all set up for high value, low dollar. And, um, you know, these kids are going everywhere and doing every all kinds of things, but we, we, we're looking at some products there to try to help them out with some virtual stuff, um, whether it be through our uh, analytic partner, Instat, um, hockey tech, hockey TV, um, or, you know, creating our own um, kind of a scouting department or advisory department to kind of help navigate those parents without, um, you know, getting into it too deep. You know, it's tough for parents. Uh, a lot of times they have one or two kids and by the time they go through it, they, they've only learned half of the things they should have done differently, right. you know? Um, so we're trying to, we're trying to help educate. Our goal is to educate parents and, Give them the best chance they can to, you know, to to help their kids, um, you know, because that's what that's what parents want to (laughs) do. They want to do everything they can to help their kids. And some of them travel all over the country and spend all kinds of money. And sometimes it doesn't pay off so well for them. But um, but I would say some of the virtual stuff in terms of scouting, some of the virtual stuff in terms of conference calls and and not having as many meetings, um, you know, and some of the registration and data sharing stuff, I think that helped us with communication. You know, a lot of the stuff we do and when we meet, you know, it's 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 a necessity. But but I will tell you, our college commitments are up um, without Division One guys being in the building. Um, and you know, as we look through the logjam in college and everybody being able to reclass, you know, we'll see how that all shakes out. You know, we'll see how that all shakes out. I I can't speak for the NCAA and the colleges. I wish they would have done a uh, you know a junior senior allowed to reclass and the freshman and sophomore you know um maybe had to you know take the take the you know the 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 year as a mulligan right because you know everybody lost out on something high school kids lost their senior year junior kids lost a year you know there's a lot of things that everybody lost on um and i was hoping colleges would have absorbed that a little bit but but they didn't so we're just gonna have to work through you know what that log jam looks like after everybody reclasses and and how we can continue to um Get only, not only the players that are in the league that are committed, but also continue to push on future uh, college commitments, as, as we know there's a little bit of a long jam coming down the pike there.
1: I wanted to ask you about something. Uh, I, uh, up here, the three leagues in the uh, major junior circuit, the Western Hockey League, the OHL, and the Q. They've all mandated a vaccination policy for all the players and the staff for all the teams even going as far as billet families, everybody's got to be fully vaccinated. Uh, I know the Winnipeg Jets and the NHL said they're going to extend that to the fans. If you want to buy a ticket and go watch a game, you've got to be fully vaccinated. Uh where do you stand uh, on that for the uh, NAHL?
4: Yeah, I, I I don't I don't think you're going to see a, a vaccine mandate from the NAHL. Um we operate our league um, where the league's job is to facilitate team operations, individual teams may, um, implement that policy, but I don't think you're going to see that from the NHL. You'll see the NHL make recommendations, um, you know, to the players and, and, and to the teams and such for, um, consideration of getting the vaccine. Um, but I don't think you're going to see us come out with a full, um, you know, mandate on the vaccine. You know, there's a lot of things, you know, there's a lot of things you got to consider um in that process you got to consider you know potential you know medical waivers religious waivers who's going to review them who's going to decide on them who's going to litigate them (laughs) when there's a dispute um you know we're, we're, we're we're we we had a lot of success last year with not many if any of our players being effective very much more than being asymptomatic and and um you know we 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 think we think we're in a good spot and if and if teams need to do something like that and certainly a bill of billet families and and people that are in those risk pools and such i mean the vaccine is definitely the way to go you know on that line i mean everything you're hearing about the vaccine for the most part it's safe and um it seems like the you know the answer right now that they can come up with to try to you know s- you know squelch you know the, the virus or the, the the variants and stuff like that so um you know we're going to partner in supporting it and um supporting our teams and like I said, creating a basic um, uh, baseline kind of a recommendation phase from the league, like we did in the past. But I don't, I don't think you'll see us come out with a full mandate.
1: All right. I uh, just out of curiosity, when it comes to uh, travel for the teams, I'm guessing for most of them it's uh, bussing from uh, from one location to another. What do you do with the three Alaska teams?
4: They got a long bus ride. No, they. <laughs> They, they're, I mean, what do we do with them in terms of how do they, they travel by air and they travel the other teams up by air. Um, you know, we're monitoring, you know, what the airlines are going to require. Um, you know, the Alaska teams have a, gr- a very strong connection, as you can imagine, with Alaska Airlines, which is what their primary carrier is. Sure. And, um, you know, last year the two Alaska teams that played this year, we have three with the new, um, you know, Anchorage Wolverines. Um, last year, the two teams, you know, had a temporary home um, during the pandemic, uh, during the COVID time, and the hockey season in Minnesota. Right. And so they they created a home away from home. And that goes back to, you know, I didn't I didn't necessarily mention those guys and and you know that overcome, adapt, and improvision you know concepts earlier, but but that was a lot for for you know those guys from Alaska and especially from Fairbanks. If you, know, if you ever pay attention to Fairbanks Ice Dogs, they, they're typically on the top of the of the of the standings and they're typically at the top of putting guys into college and they're typically at the top of the fans and, 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 you know, the folks up there are great people and they love their team. Um, you know, that was tough to be, you know, on the road and and stuff. And they had a great, they had a great home away from home in Marshall, Minnesota and did, you know, just did some other things to get it all done. But for the most part, you know, we're monitoring that close. Um, you know, right now we're, you know, air travel seems to be the industry that never shut down and is, um, you know, is continuing to move forward, and so it, it seems like we're going to be in a, you know, outside of some you know conditions that are put on, you know, travel by the airlines or by the state. Like like I said earlier, local, state, or federal, you know, we'll have to manage, you know, those as they come. Um, if airlines mandate vaccines, or if, if states mandate vaccines or, or what have you, then you know, have to manage that, um, you know, as we as we come. All right. I tried to answer that from just a logistical yeah. perspective that they travel by plane and also a logistical perspective in terms of being in a COVID environment.
1: Well, I appreciate that. That's what I was looking for. You mentioned Anchorage is a brand new team for this coming season. Anybody else that's brand new this year?
4: Well we we had twenty three last year and we launched um basically uh three three new ones. And those three new ones would be Anchorage and and then um el paso and el paso has had a tier three team in our north american three hockey league and they seem to got it they seem to have it really going on down there as well as anchorage okay. and then um we had a little bit of a movement with uh but it created a, a kind of a new team our team in amarillo moved to uh amarillo texas moved to mason city or north iowa and um so the the team that was in Kansas um was sold and relocated to Amarillo. So there's a new ownership group in Amarillo with a with the you know with the uh, team that used to be in the league in Topeka in Kansas. Okay. And then there's two brand new teams uh, memberships with Anchorage and with um El Paso and then the other three teams reactivated Springfield um Junior Blues and the Jamestown um um, Rebels and then the Corpus Christi ice race. And so we went from 23 to 29, which is really, you know, rare for us to grow that quick. Um, part of that growth had to do with other business that we were working on prior to. And part of that growth also has us to do with, you know, there are a lot of players that didn't have a roster to play on last year. Um, with a lot of teams shutting down, the border shut down, um, there are a lot of players looking for places to play. And so, you know, we've got, we've got the responsibility of being the only tier two model in in you know, in in the United States. And so we, we kind of looked at it as, look, we, our goal is to create places for players to play at the tier two North American hockey league level. And this is going to work out and help us with our footprint a little bit. And we've got some great new owners are going to bring a lot of value to the league and the community and the players. And, um, that's what it's about, is, is, is having the right people in the right places to give these players the opportunity to play hockey at the NHL level and in advance. So we're, there's a, always a challenge when you grow, when you grow that fast, but um, that's kind of the reality of the uh, current uh, time and day that we're going through, and we're, we're, we feel pretty confident that we're going to get through it pretty good.
1: I'd have to think it's only a matter of time, but why is there no junior hockey in California?
4: <laughs> well, um, we have done several trips and we've worked with a lot of great people out there, you know, including sharks, the, you know, the, the San Jose, you know, work with the NHL clubs, the sharks and the Kings and, and uh, the ducks. And it really comes down to facility availability and cost. And, um, you know, there, you know, we had a team in Fresno a few years back and we couldn't grow anywhere else for them to play on the ground. And, mm. and, you know, they're up, in, they're up in the North part and at that time San Jose was building a building and, um, LA was, or, uh, Anaheim was building a building and some of those buildings have been built, but they're, um, you know, I think in San Jose it ended up being their American hockey league, um, main, main product. And then it, you know, it's, it's hard to, you know, launch, you know, one or two NAHL teams, let alone a whole division, you know? And so, um, you know, one time when when was in the North American Hockey League and Fresno, we were hoping to continue down that I-5 corridor and and um, and uh, maybe in Eugene up there, and then you know, continue down to San Jose and such. Um, someday, I mean, we we haven't ruled it out. We haven't given up on it. It just takes somebody uh, that's very serious to be able to, you know, allocate the space, the availability, the cost to get it started, and it's 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 tough it's really tough and um but uh, yeah, we think it would, we think it'd be great to have junior products um in the North American Hockey League out in the west Coast. obviously, we're not afraid of the footprint yeah. um, and, um it would be great for some of those west coast west coast teams and some of those players and um you know just like we we've been out in the east now for well it seems like an eternity, but it's only been four or five years. we've really been out on the east coast and um in the northeast, and you know we're seeing players from the Northeast – you know, in in all of our teams. Right. And so not only did it give some, not only did it give some great spots for some people to play hockey in the Northeast, but it helped educate, you know, folks in the Northeast about what other options there are to go play in the North American hockey league. And so, you know, that would happen in the West coast too. There'd be a lot of, you know, even though the West coast is pretty familiar with, with relocating at that age, but it would, it would give opportunity for these guys across the country to play out there and vice versa. It would help educate some of those guys in the West coast on, what other opportunities there are in the rest of the country in, in the North American Hockey League, and you know, you get a heck of a life experience going to some place you never expected to go and play junior hockey and um, get a college opportunity. It's it's pretty unique, special um, opportunity if you can get it. And you look back on your junior careers, it's usually the best time of your life and the experience you had when you're doing it.
1: Mark, I've kept you a long time. Before I let you go, though, is there anything about this coming upcoming season that uh, you want to give a mention to that uh, before I let you go?
4: Boy, well, I'll tell you, um, I'm just – the only thing about this upcoming season is I'm telling you I'm excited about it. I'm hoping that we can get this uh, – you know, we, we, we do the Super Bowl showcases in the beginning of the season, which is the opposite of the Super Bowl championship in the NFL. But um, we're hoping to see all the colleges back, all the NHL guys back. I mean, this event we have in Blaine is is really nice, and it's it's good for all the players and the people involved. And we're hoping we can get back and our owners can live with some sanity and, and just do what they do, um, you know, for the players. We're coming up in a couple of years on our 50th year anniversary. We've been doing it a long time. We, we're, we're really excited about who we've become um, in developing players, and we're just looking forward to getting back and doing what we do, um, you know, in, in, for the players in the communities and through the sport of ice hockey and, and just looking forward to it.
1: All right. Well, I wish you the best of luck this season. I'll be watching from afar. Thanks for your time, sir.
4: I enjoy being on and love to talk about the league and our owners and our players. So anytime you need me on anything, any topic, anything, I'd love to, I'd love to jump in. So anytime I'm always here.
1: Okay. Fantastic. Thank you again. Good luck. Have a great season. It was Mark Frankenfeld, the commissioner from the North American hockey league, Uh, lots of ground to cover there. And it's been a couple of years since I was able to get him on the program, but I appreciate that he was able to make time this year uh, exciting for the league. Three brand new teams and and uh, three other teams who were uh, on the shelf last year and that wasn't the only league where that happened. Remember the Madison Capitals and the USHL didn't play last year. Uh, things like that. Uh, so uh, great that that league is uh, up and running uh, once again and uh, man they do a terrific job of getting players to the collegiate level and, and I think that's a league I, I think I have to cover more. Uh, so we'll uh, seek to do that this year. Maybe we'll get some coaches on and you know, there's some players who played in the league a little bit last year that we had on. Uh, Kyle Koukanen, who was drafted, uh, played in um, in Minot with the Minotauros. Uh, he was one player that we had on last year. But uh, there are some other guys in the past that we've had on as well. Uh, but we'll look to do that again this year. It's not, they don't get a ton of guys drafted right out of that league, but they get them to go to the college route. Maybe there's a guy who played, you know, in the USHL this year, but he, the previous season he was in the NAHL. I think it's a league that deserves a little bit more attention, uh, so I will seek to do that this year. All right, another league that needs attention is the Western Hockey League, and to do that before the season starts, we'll get to the WHL team-by-team previews, probably start that next week. Uh, But this week... Cam Moon, the uh, former voice of the Red Deer Rebels, now one of the voices of the NHL's Edmonton Oilers. I was able to track him down, and uh, we're going to chat a little bit about uh, what he thinks of what's been happening around the league. Some of the teams. I know he's, you know, he's obviously removed from the league now, but uh, you know, there's, well, there was a big change with the Red Deer Rebels uh, this past off season. So we'll, we'll talk to him about that and uh, some of the other things that are happening around the WHL. Next, here on the Pipeline Show. Brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky.
3: Down the left side, pass over to Ashton. Oh, what a stop! Darcy Kemper. What a gutsy performance this evening at the NMAX Centrio. This is Cam Moon, voice of the Red Deer Rebels, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show.
1: The Troubled Monk Brew of the Week. Sure is a tasty one, but what is it? Bucktooth Belgian White. A light and citrusy, flavorful beer. This Belgian White is a perfect patio pint. Try it with a freshly cut orange to brighten up your already sunny day. Poyer comparable? Patrick Kane knows what season to turn it on and has splashes of brilliance. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free, same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at troubledmonk.com. Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing
3: you're listening to the pipeline show with gee flaming
1: drive turkey is a little over the line my man Hey, we are back on the Pipeline Show. We're going to end this week's episode uh, in uh, fine fashion. Of course, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky in all of Alberta. My next guest uh, may have had some beef jerky in the past, and hopefully it was Wilhock. As we uh, chat with the former voice of the Red Deer Rebels, now one of the voices of the Edmonton Oilers, Cam Moon. Welcome back to the program,
3: Mooner. How are you? Doing very well, and I do love me some Wilhock beef jerky. It's awesome.
1: There you go, awesome. Thanks for that. I appreciate that. Uh, tell me about this past year for you, because it was uh, an awfully fun one. I'm guessing, although pretty weird at the same time. Uh, but uh, now an NHL play-by-play guy.
3: Yeah, it was. It was. It was all those things. It, it was awesome. Uh, it was so fun to call uh, games in the NHL and to be able to do it in Edmonton, where I grew up. So that's. Exceptionally special, and to work with you know great people too. Whether it was uh, you know Bob Stoffer who did color with me, or Reed Wilkins who hosted, or or Jack Michaels who did the TV call on on uh, Sportsnet West, and yeah, it was just it was fun to be a part of that, and in bizarre at the same time in that there was there's nobody in the rink yeah. at the home games of you know at least we were, and we were at the home games, so that was great. But it's tough when there's nobody there you have to manufacture the the excitement it doesn't just um organically happen with the crowd noise and then the road games were called off the television monitor and we were at uh, six thirty Chet studios for those so and that was something i I'd never done before mm-hmm. in my broadcasting career so an incredible challenge uh and we and it's not like we had like multi looks or any great big wide lens or anything, we, we were watching Sportsnet West, and I mean the only saving grace was we had uh, a feed of the of the rink noise piped into our headset, but you had to like coordinate that with the television so that it synced up. Right. So sometimes off the start of the game it didn't, <laughs> and that
4: was really hard. <laughs>
3: You'd hear the puck hit the glass, but nobody shot it yet, so that would like kind of throw you off. but once it got synced, it was fine. So there was it was certainly different. It was uh, really fun. I can't wait for this season. I hope uh, that we get to travel, as I find calling a game that you're actually at is far easier than <laughs> than calling it off a monitor.
1: I would have to think so. Uh, you' talked about having to manufacture the excitement. Uh, let's be honest. You get Kootney into the century on a Tuesday in January. Um, and you might be manufacturing <laughs> some excitement there too.
3: Okay. Fair point. <laughs> Absolutely fair point. There has been a few over the years, midweek games, middle of winter, in in whatever rank, where yeah, where it might not be overly populated in there. And, and and especially if it was like the fourth game in five nights. From your team, they might be just running on fumes at this point. So yeah, there are times then absolutely where you have to crank it up and manufacture it yourself. Uh, this time you had to do it like every time by yeah, yourself. Yeah. But yeah, that's yeah, a fair point.
1: Now correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, the first goal call you get to call is a Ryan Nugent Hopkins goal, correct?
3: Yeah, that was that was something. That was yeah, you, you couldn't have wrote it up any better. And Oilers Oilers won the game and. Ryan scored that first goal. It was pretty. Uh, it was pretty special. I I was um, so fired up, and I was happy. You know, Ryan's such a such a great guy, and uh, has been such a very good Oiler. And I was really happy to see him sign the contract extension. So yeah, that was uh, yeah. It just just seemed like a perfect night, really.
1: Mooner, uh, hey, just with Nugent Hopkins. They call him Nuge here now, but when he was a Rebel. Yeah. Wasn't his nickname Hoppy or Hopper
3: or something? Yes, it was. It was always Hoppy. And then he came to the Oilers and he became Nuge. So when you see him, what do you call him? I don't know. I haven't seen him yet. <laughs> hasn't hasn't happened. <laughs> we were nowhere near the players. That's right. Man, that it, is so bizarre. I never did see him. It, so I was just recently at that Battle of Alberta Golf Tournament in Red Deer where they have uh, a bunch of uh, Euler alumni, Flames alumni, and then some current players okay. uh, raising money for the Central Alberta Child Advocacy Center. And I, I see Chris Russell, who is a current Oiler, mm-hmm. but I've known for a very long time. And he's like, yeah, this is the first time I got to see you. <laughs> you were there the entire season, he says, This is the first time I've got to see you. Yeah, It's, yeah, it was, we never went anywhere near, uh, the players or the the event level of the rink ever. And any of the interviews were done via Zoom. So Yeah, it just, it never happened. I look forward to seeing Ryan.
1: Yeah, though, I'm sure that'll be great. Yeah. Cat Moon's my guest now calling games for the Edmonton Oilers at the NHL level, but a long time, uh, a WHL broadcaster. And uh, let's talk a little WHL. You did get to to see a bunch of the Edmonton Oil King games uh, last year, I'm sure you sprinkled in some rebels action along the way as well. As we get set for this new season, I'm expecting everybody back from last year's team outside of the overage guys, and there'll be a, a new import player this year. But for me, on paper, the Oil Kings looked like the team to beat. Uh, what's your take?
3: Oh, I would say so. Now, granted, I didn't get to see any games outside of Alberta, yep. and all the games I saw were in Edmonton. So uh, I saw the Oil Kings play the Alberta teams, and you know, I would say Medicine Hat had a pretty competitive club, and thought uh, Calgary Red Deer and uh, Lethbridge were were not at the level of Edmonton. So everything I saw maybe it, it might have skewed it a little. But even saying all of that, I would say the the likelihood of Dylan Gunther coming back is extremely high, even though he went you know ninth overall to Arizona. Mm-hmm. But I think he'll be back, and and Sebastian Kosa, I expect. Him back in goal, even though he was a first-round pick of Detroit. But yeah, like you look at this team, and it's just not one or two. Like there's plenty. Granted, a hole to to fill, and and they, you know, I'm sure they'll fill it. But with Matthew Robertson, you, you would expect he'll play pro hockey in the New York Rangers system yep. Yep. somewhere. Whether that, yeah, whether it be the Rangers, the American League, whatever. But you know, that's your it was your number one defense in last year. So cool. that's, that, that's something that you have to, I guess, kind of, and, and to some degree bringing in uh, uh Kuba from Seattle as an import player from a Czech Republic guy, but 20 year old player, he's going to help with that for mm-hmm. sure. I like their team. I liked watching their power play. I, I loved watching their goaltender. I think Sebastian Kosa is an amazing talent. And, there there's depth there. Like they're going to be a real handful. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of things can happen, but uh, I I would think they're a team that gets to the final four and then, you know, however it goes, it goes because you know, certainly things can happen along the way, but a lot of talent, fun to watch, uh, incredibly uh, well coached. Uh, Brad Lauer does uh, such a great job with the team. Um, So, yeah, and Luke Pierce as well. Uh, It's, yeah, they're they're a lot of fun. I look forward to getting to every game that I can get to because I know they're going to be a special team.
1: The uh, WHL going back to the 1v8 uh, playoff format instead of the divisional playoffs. um, For me, the only downside of that is the potential extra travel. You could have Brandon and Edmonton in the first round, which would suck. But. Uh, it, and it's happened a couple of times for those two teams. <laughs> and it's happened, yeah. Yeah. Do you have a preference uh, for the playoff uh, format?
3: I don't mind that one versus eight. I mean, it's pretty cut and dried. Uh, and yeah, I know. And I, it happened in Red Deer, um, and where they played Brandon in the first round. So I, I felt that pain as well. Uh, and you know, I, I unless you're going to just go divisional the way they had it before with the wild cards. And I mean, you could land up with some pretty hairy travel that way as well. Mm Um, I don't know. I I think the one for one versus eight to me works just fine in the other conference. Yeah. If you got a a Portland versus Prince George in the first round, that's less than ideal. Right. Um, that's yeah. Or any of those Southern us teams to Prince George, it's, you know, it's pretty intense travel. Um, that, I guess that possibility exists. But I, I think the one versus eight, I mean, it keeps it, it, keeps it fair. Um, unless you wanted to go straight divisional. Because I remember at one point it was that, where it was just one versus four, two versus three in each division. And then you had your, your division winner, and the two division winners played each other in the conference final. I mean, that cuts down travel. But that opens the possibility of having one division quite a bit uh, better than the other, and then whoever the fifth place team is in the really good division feels like they got a bad deal. Right. Which really they did. So yeah. But I like the one versus eight. Makes it real simple. You don't have to explain much to, to fans or anybody. Makes it nice and easy. So I think it'll be good.
1: Yep. Yeah, I like it that way too. Now in the next few weeks I'm gonna be calling all the play by play guys and doing the team by team previews. So I'm not I know you're a bit removed removed from it now, so I'm not gonna to expect to you're going to be able to, to do that, which teams are going to be good this year and which ones are going to struggle. But I do want to ask you about the Red Deer Rebels situation because uh, since the season ended, Brent has stepped away. Brent Sutter is not going to be behind the bench uh, this year. And that's the that's a, a, a new look for that team. Did that surprise you at all? Uh, you know, you were awfully close to him for a number of years. Um, did it come as any sort of surprise to you?
3: Well, I was a little surprised that it happened like in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly... Brent was you know at some point not going to coach and he talked about it for a few years and then ultimately would would coach the team but you know the fact that it happened in the middle was a little bit surprising and yeah the, the team was having a a tough go um yeah the, it's it was a bizarre season in that it's there's no fans it's covid you're you're going only to the Alberta teams and in Red Deer's case, the players were living at the ring. Yeah. Um, yeah, which, yeah. So it was for him. I, I think it's, I think it's great. Like step back and, and, uh, and just, he's going to be the GM of the team, take care of the the GM stuff. I'm probably going to get out there and scout uh, a lot more than he ever did before for sure. And, and yeah, and, and I know uh, Sean Sutter is now uh, like associate uh, general manager, and Sean, who is uh, Brian's son, so Brent's nephew, uh, has great input and uh, does an outstanding job. Quite honestly, so, so it's good. It's Brent can can uh, you know, step back a little bit. I think it'll. I think I think he'll enjoy it, and I, and I think it'll be it'll be good for him too. And and then he can go. It won't have to be. A hundred percent hockey all the time, mm-hmm. and and I think they I think that'll be uh, that'll be good. Hopefully, he'll get out to uh, to Vancouver a few times and, and watch his son Brandon play with the Canucks and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I hope he gets that opportunity as well. But uh, yeah, Sean can handle uh, a lot of that stuff because he, he is is a really smart hockey mind. Uh, Steve Kowalski coming in as head coach, I think he'll do a great job. And uh, yeah, I, I was uh, I was really surprised. I, Really happy, I should say, that 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 was uh, who they found a coach because I, I think Steve will fit in there and do a really good job, and, and I think they'll, everybody will be really happy with him.
1: I see Cole Sillinger was signed by the Columbus Blue Jackets today, uh, expected to be back in Medicine Hat, I guess, since he was drafted outside of the CHL. Though I, I, I'm not sure that technically, I guess he could play in the American Hockey League this year. I, I'm not sure actually what the small print is I don't know on that. that. Yeah. Let's assume he's back in Medicine Hat. That's obviously a big addition to them that they didn't have last year, and they were competitive last year. Trading Zach Stringer uh, earlier this week for a first-round pick, I don't know if that signals that Lethbridge, maybe it was too good of an offer for them to pass on, but if if a team is trading away uh, players that are worthy of a first-round pick, that doesn't signal to me that Lethbridge is necessarily uh, all-in this year. Put it that way.
3: Yeah, I, I think that's fair to say. I mean, they They were you know, not a contending team in the central and to trade a player that is about to go into his 18 year old year, which means at the very least Regina is going to get two, I would think very solid seasons out of, out of Zach Stringer. Uh, Regina looking to improve for sure. Uh, They paid, you know, it's a, it's a first round pick. So in Lethbridge is, is going to, to, recoup that which I mean there's that's you would think that when you uh when you pick up a a first round pick that that guy depending on you know how well you draft is going to be 10th overall should be a player that that plays anywhere from three to five seasons for you so as long as you do well at the draft table that's you know it it benefits you just it's farther down the road so yeah that certainly that's what it says to me and I haven't talked to anybody on the inside just when you see a team move uh, one of their top players um, out for for a first yeah they're they're not a team that's looking to load up right now but hey good for Regina I mean good for them to you know put a little bit more around Connor Bedard because you want to have a competitive team and I and I know Bedard had a big impact with their club last season in their their Regina bubble so you know, going into his next year and his second year to have a guy like Stringer on that team, that's only going to help. So that's really good news for the Regina Pats.
1: Now the Pats last year with Bedard were very competitive without him. He had to leave yeah. early for the, for the world U18. <laughs> it, it obviously changed things uh, considerably for that club. Uh, but getting him now or getting uh, uh, some, some help for him there uh, moving forward should be a good thing. I'm, I'm happy because now with the, uh, the way the conference is setting up, and the the Pats will actually come to Edmonton. We'll we'll all get to see Connor Bedard in person, at least uh, in the Eastern Conference. It's he's the first guy that's had exceptional status for the WHL. Certainly looked like he not only lived up to expectations, probably exceeded them with the way he played. Uh, with his uh, you know the few games he got to play in the WHL, he looked fantastic. Yeah,
3: like I I I'm really fired up to see him when he comes through Edmonton. Um, to have a guy that can go play in the world U18s, which is, these are the best mostly draft eligible players um, across the entire world. And yeah, there's a few underagers every year and, and he was like a, like a double underager Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he goes there and, and he gets 14 points in seven games. Like that's unbelievable. And to be twenty eight points in fifteen games with the Pats, that's as as an exceptional player. So like as in his fifteen year old season. So that's it, it's it's mind numbing those types of numbers. I've seen the highlights. That's all I've seen. And they're always like these goals that you're just like, Oh my word. It looks like he's at like drop in hockey and and is just uh you know, making his way through everybody. So I, I really look forward to when the Pats come through. Cause it I, just like you, Guy, I want to see the, the best players. And I want to see you know, players like this that are, are going to be NHLers somewhere down the line um, and get to see them in person. But what a season he had. You've, so the exceptional, st- is when you hear that, you're like, Oh, wow, he must be, it's gotta be pretty good. I mean, yeah. They haven't had one of these before. So yeah, he has gotta be pretty good. And then he puts up the numbers like he did last year. It's, it's crazy. So, yeah, I do look forward to the year for sure.
1: I, I do have some concerns, though, for the Pats moving forward because you know they're only going to have him for this year and next year, and then he's gone to the NHL. So you you have to think John Paddock's going to do whatever he can to build a championship-caliber team. Well, they've been really bad yeah. the last three years because they were, you mm-hmm. know, tipped that run for the Memorial Cup. there not that long ago and emptied the cupboards to do it. How are they going to go about building this championship team in the next two years?
3: Trade first-round picks for Zach Stringer. That's the that's the first step. Yeah, that's that's one thing. Uh, and and Stringer's going to be there for two years. He's an eighteen. He's eighteen and nineteen-year-old years for yeah. sure. Uh, maybe he plays in the Western League at twenty. Maybe he plays pro. Who knows? So that's that's one of the pieces. And and you got to build from there. And hopefully, hopefully, you get you got to get a little lucky with either mid or late round draft picks yeah. that just turn out for you. Yeah. That are better than you expected. Like you're going to have to get a little bit lucky. You're probably going to have to do uh, a few more moves. Um, but that's, that's all part of it. And if you do come through with a couple of those later picks that you're like, we're, you know, let, let's be honest. They're they're You're hoping you're hoping. Yeah. And, and if they come through, all of a sudden, now maybe you got a little something cooking because you got one of the best players in Bedard. Zach Stringer is a, he's a good, good, solid WHLer, and he's going to help um, complement all that. But yeah, I would expect they'll they'll make more more moves. They're going to try and get as good as they possibly can while they have uh, Bedard there. You're right; he's probably playing in the NHL at 18 years old. Let's be honest. And if he doesn't, great, that's a bonus. But don't expect it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they're gonna need. I think Jordan Eberle was like a seventh round pick. They need some of those type of picks to to really pan out yeah. for the Pats. And not just that, but they need to sign some Brandon Hagels uh, as well. Those guys who weren't drafted. And yeah. You just list those players, and they they really pan out for you. Um. But yeah, they've emptied the cupboard not that long ago. They're really gonna to have to do it again here. Uh. To uh, to load up on that team. Um. What sort of uh, storylines are you looking forward to for the WHL season? From what you're going to be able to to watch for? Because you're obviously going to be awfully busy here with the Oilers too.
3: Yeah, but I, I'm still going to be able to get to games. So, I, I mean, obviously, I look forward to seeing what the Oil Kings do because I know they're going to be very good. Uh, but out east, um, you know, I hear the Brandon Wheat Kings are, are going to be a, a good team for next year. So, yep. I, I'll have to look and see how the schedules line up. But uh, I definitely like to see the Wheat Kings. And you know what? There's something about that Wheat King jersey. Whatever configuration it is, I'm a bit of a jersey nerd and I I've always kind of liked it. I, I just the whole, the whole thing, the, the, the name, the logo, the look. So when Brandon rolls through, I want to see what they're all about. Um, yeah, it's too bad. We don't see the teams from the West. I find that, yeah. um, uh, yeah, that's, that's unfortunate, but hopefully a year from now that we do. Um, and then I'll, I'll really be, uh dialing in when you get to the playoffs the whl playoffs are absolutely fantastic and if the old kings could get on a bit of a run well like a couple of years ago when they got to the east final and eventually lost out to the prince albert raiders who won the whl like that was a that was a great uh, run for edmonton a uh, good series with medicine hat in the first round and then they kind of rolled up calgary in the second round and cross uh, battle with a very deep and, and very good Prince Albert team in the third round, so I'll, I'll be looking towards that as well. And yeah, get it, and just getting, I guess, acquainted with with the newer players in the league, the ones that either you didn't get to see last year because we only saw Alberta teams, or or guys that are new to the league this year, mm. and get a little bit of a handle of draft eligibles because I always like watching that too and get an idea of who the draft eligibles are coming up.
1: I'm looking forward to getting back in the booth. Uh, I'm sure I'll see you around the rink. I, I know the, the mm-hmm. big renovations in uh, Red Deer since the last time I was there. So I'm looking forward to that too. Well, you
3: should be. Uh, that all got completed before I came to Edmonton. Right. And it is, it's great. Like absolutely beautiful. The new seats, new score clock, just it's a, it's a real, real good look in there. And, and, it's certainly always been one of my favorite rinks, but now even more so that uh, it just it, it's updated the look. Those bright green seats—if right. you didn't have a butt in every seat—they really stood out. And now, it's not quite that way. And these ones are a little more comfortable too. So yeah, you're gonna you're gonna like the trip to the century.
1: And of course, uh, an elevator and a bathroom for the press box, right?
3: Oh, of course, not. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, that's steep stairs, my friend.
1: I know. It's it's not a surprise why you're so thin and fit all the time because you've been uh, running up and down those stairs for the last couple of decades. It takes its toll. (laughs) Mooner, I appreciate your time, man. I hope to see you at the rink soon.
3: Okay, anytime. Thanks for having me.
1: Always great to catch up with uh, Cam Moon, the uh, former voice of the Red Deer Rebels, now with the Edmonton Oilers uh, broadcast team, and uh, tweeted out a picture of his uh, bobblehead. I had to say, I, I took a, uh, like a side-by-side shot of him and, uh, I forget the actor's name, but uh, the original Robocop, when he's there's a scene where he takes the mask off. There's a lot of similarities between Mooner's bobblehead and uh, maskless Robocop. I don't know. You can let me know. I put that up on Twitter, at TPS underscore Guy. One thing uh, I hadn't talked to uh, Mooner about was, the, uh, the border situation, uh, and that was, it really just got announced today that the United States was extending their restrictions to September 21st. Things have already opened up from the Canadian side to allow American travelers in, but a little bit different going the other direction. So I do have to wonder how that's going to impact leagues like the WHL and the BCHL. They have a team in uh, Wenatchee. How big of a hurdle that's going to be for uh, the two leagues and all the players? We'll see. All right, uh, that's it, though, for this week's episode. The three guests that you heard from, appreciate their time. Mark Frankenfeld from the Knoll, Cam Moon from, well, the Edmonton Oilers slash uh, former Red Deer Rebel legend, as well as uh, Jeremy Boucher and Adam Lund from the Wildcast podcast out in Moncton, New Brunswick. If you haven't got your bidet yet, not sure what you're waiting for, uh, get with the times. All the cool kids have one. Go to hellotushy.com pipeline. Get an automatic 10% off for using that. A link and uh, get yourself a bidet. It's way better for you. It's better for the environment and it will pay for itself in a matter of months just with the money you save on toilet paper. Next week on the pipeline show, I am uh, considering starting the WHL team by team season previews may hold off for one more week as the, uh, the WHL's website still not up to date yet with all the rosters, uh, but we, we might uh, forego that and uh, forge ahead anyway and uh, we'll let my guests tell me who's with the team and uh, who's not from last year's uh, clubs. But uh, that may be in the works for next week. Or maybe if you're going to let me know uh, some of the other podcasts that you want to hear the the hosts covering Junior or College Hockey, you can let me know at TPS underscore Gee again on Twitter. And uh, it'll be that or the uh, WHL Team by Team previews. We'll start that uh, next week or the week after. Quick shout-out and thank you to all the patrons at patreon.com slash thepipelineshow for uh, your ongoing support. I hope you're enjoying the uh, the early access and all the other perks that you get for being a patron. If you're a newcomer to the show and maybe this was the first episode you'd ever listen to, well, thanks for stopping by. I hope you'll be back for more, especially as the season gets going. And if you're a returning listener, I wherever you're getting your copy of the Pipeline show from, I hope you're taking a second to leave a rating or a comment or both. Uh, because it helps grow the audience and that's a uh, that's a big thing obviously for for anybody who's hosting their own little podcast but between next week's show i hope you get out and enjoy some of the weekend as we got uh, a month or so left of summer and then we're right into the fall and of course hockey season right around the corner until next week everybody my name is Keith flaming see ya